WINZ now presents Neil Rogers. If you'd like to participate on today's program, you can call Neil on 624-9400 in Dade or 524-9400 in Broward. And now, here's Neil Rogers. Okay, I'm not even going to play what I was going to play in the beginning. I'm going to get right into it because I have never in my life seen such an incredible facade Somebody is so desperate. I mean, it came 10.06, just like clockwork, okay? And the door came flying open, and what usually flies in? You know, like when you open up the door of a birdcage, a bird usually flies out, or in as the case may be. And he's now actually slithering against the wall. Sit down over there in that one there. I don't want you that close. You can be Paul Lyle. You notice it's pretty interesting now. That'd probably be the next phase. Everybody will have a banana, as I'm told yeah. it is called. And like we plan all these things out. See, we don't plan anything out, in case you haven't been able to tell that. I always, I learned uh, when I reviewed films that the original was always you the best. reviewed films? Sequels were never as good as the originals, by and large. So when you hear all these other sidekicks... Just remember, the original is the best. <laughs> no, I never reviewed this film yet. But it was wonderful. Was it great? <laughs> Blew me away. Was River Phoenix really as good as everybody says? <laughs> anyway, we have something coming up. I don't know how to lead into this. At about After the first break, at about 20 after thereabouts. Oh, the record the great crepitation contest. And my suggestion to everybody in the audience, first, of course, call everybody you know and tell them because you'll be on the floor. Now, it starts slowly. Oh, it does. But once you get into it, I think that... Um, and if there are people who are easily offended... Now, I don't have any problem with this, and I don't think this even comes close. Five percent you know. of the audience will be offended. Right. says in the... Uh, so if you're easily offended, we urge you right now to turn it off, which, of course, means they're going to go to the radio, turn it up much louder. Particularly if they live on Miami Beach. Oh, yeah. The old farts, if you pardon that expression, <laughs> in Hallandale and Miami Beach. Will Can we be say that word? Can of we course. I'll be there is no problem. We even discussed that in our big meeting the other day. No problem. Okay. Even in Portland, they occasionally do that. No, they don't. Well, quietly. <laughs> Seriously. Even no. once in a while. Well, they slip one out. Very quietly. Not on, not on elevators. Yeah, silent ones. Not on elevators. <laughs> And not in mixed company. Of course. Of course not. I didn't know they did it at all. Like there. on windy days in the middle of the winter, you know, when nobody... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when it kind of freezes in midair, you know, when it's about 30 below in Portland. <sighs> there it goes. <laughs> but I understand that, uh, in fact, I must confess, I heard a few minutes yesterday, Mr. Um, what was the new word that I came up with? Mr. Alibi. Not Mr. Ego anymore, Mr. Alibi. Really? Because he was talking, of course, about his favorite subject, talk radio, which mm. he always does when he has no show. <laughs> and um, I couldn't believe it, just going on about this show, how wonderful it is. And this is easy listening talk, according to Lee Fowler. And you can tune in anytime. You don't have to listen from the beginning. You can tune in and out because <laughs> it's uh, easy to listen to and you don't have to um, be there right from the start, etc. Well, it's better to be here from the start, though, don't you of think? Of course. 
start to finish. And then when callers were calling up about various toast, and a couple of people called in about the fact that Alice was um, desperate, finished, <laughs> finished, beyond desperate. Yeah. And um, but the Alice, comment was, uh, you think that he's afraid of Steve or Stan? And, of course, uh, you know what Mr. Alibi said. Well, I don't know if he's afraid of me. I don't think so. But he certainly shouldn't be afraid of Stan. <laughs> Although Stan will have dominant numbers, uh, he'll dominate because of his lead-in. Now, isn't that bizarre? You talk about another alibi. You know, he's already alibi. Well, look at his In other words, his suggestion is that, you know, nobody listens to Stan because they want to, but because he just happens to follow me, you know, so therefore he's going to have these huge numbers. And it's just another alibi for failure. Mm -hmm. Failure. Well, Al Alice beat him. Did no. he in the trend? No. Wrong. Alice came in third. Alice didn't beat um, <laughs> Maurice Chevalier, <laughs> who's not feeling too well. He's <laughs> telling you. So there are some wild things going on, including I noticed Stan found this and left it in the studio, which I'm glad the front page of yesterday's Miami News. final home edition of the Miami Snooze. And, of course, they have no idea where this bumper sticker came from. It's in the front page section on the left-hand side where it says, etc., and it says, upon this rock, bumper sticker spotted in Miami, I love John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Can't imagine where that came from, can you? <laughs> and by the way, we got uh, about 800 more yeah. yesterday. So if there are people out there who uh, still want to, still got plenty of time, it's only the 26th of August, and His Holy will be here on um, September 10th, I think, the day after I come back from vacation. That's right, 10th and 11th. Oh, boy, I'm now, excited Now, about we went that. through 1,000 in like three days last week. We mailed out So a if thousand. you want one, send us your name and address pronto, I mean, like yeah, today. because when these are gone, that's to it. To Sticker. W-I-N-C. Miami. <laughs> Three three zero five five. When these are gone, that's it. You're beginning to look like Paul Lyle. You know that. I mean, there's a guy who's probably the most boring man. Who is Paul Lyle? I don't know. He just I've hangs never around seen over this there. Guy. He just uh, hangs around at the Isle of Dung, <laughs> and um, he is so boring. Yeah. That's just what he needs. I would encourage Mr. Alibi to have him on every day for hours. He may not cackle. He just puts you into a Joe Zagacki-like coma. <laughs> It was funny because I, I was punching around this morning and I punched up Ranieri, which I rarely do. It was five to nine. I was coming to work. And uh, his, oh, uh, he was, had his little finger, his pinky in his left <laughs> nostril. And, ah, oh, Sparks, I almost forgot about you, Joe. And Joe came on and said, oh, that's all right. I was taking a nap, Mike. <laughs> now, how do you know when uh, Zagaki's taking a nap? You can never <laughs> tell the difference. He always sounds like he's taking a nap. I like that wonderful Isle of Dung. That's good. Yeah. Rhymes with Mung. That may stick. Yeah. Well, so to speak. I do want to say, by the way, the audience stunk yesterday. I told Stan that yesterday was our... Every week we have a day that we call Thursday, no matter what day it comes. <laughs> and it, this week it was on Tuesday. Yeah. And the audience was pathetic. So and he told me... Uh, he called me last night. He said, you were right. He mm -hmm. said they just um, were not into anything yesterday. Nothing. No. Nothing. It they happens. were weak. It happens one day They were week. very weak. And I think a big part of it is, you know, they had this big build-up. They were expecting right. you know, that meeting yesterday. For First of all, they wanted me to come on and give a blow-by-blow -blow description, which would be unethical. To be, you just don't do that. I mean, um, you know, in fact, I told probably more than I should have. But uh, the audience out there just, you know, we appreciate their support, but they do tend to get a little pushy from time to time. Well, that was the problem. The, oh, you should have fought for the yeah. record. You know, yeah, right. You come in here and fight for it. See, there was no crisis. They don't know what we're dealing with. That's, that was the problem. Boy. There was no crises. Well, not yesterday. No, it was over. Right. And they couldn't handle that. Exactly. They're crisis-oriented. Mm-hmm. 
Very much so. Yeah. Well, we might change that in a few minutes. Although I can't imagine anybody getting upset about this. But then, you know, I've been wrong before. I guarantee they will. They'll be complaining. Who will be upset? You just watch. You think so? Blue hairs. Blue hair. Okay, well, after we play it, then we'll uh, find out. People can complain. And if they're upset, we'll say, okay, let's take our break. And then when we come back, if you want to get your cassette recorders going, and then tomorrow... As a going-away gift from me to the audience, I have five copies of the album. It's actually on an album. Right. I don't know what's on the other side. I haven't listened to it yet, right. but there are some little vignettes of some those away comical and, uh, stuff. Now, this is a little introduction before we get into it. This is from 1933. 50, okay? Over 50 years ago. Yeah, over 50 years ago, and it's been played everywhere, over and over again. And they even, on this particular album, they edited out. The right. one really objectionable word at the end that you hear only half of it. Oh, we going to hear half Shh. of it? Like that. Shh. Shh. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means quiet. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, so aside from that, there's nothing for anybody. This is passe. It's old hat. Is but it is funny. Is Richard going to be on the floor up in master control? There could be a lot of people. And, again, it starts out the first few minutes. You just have to kind of ease into it. But once it gets going... Trust me, it's Be well patient. worth it. It's uh, worth the few minutes. Ten eighteen at WYNZ. We'll come right back. Okay, we've got all kinds of stuff going on here today, and the mail has come in. What is that? Oh, attention, the bird! Isn't that cute? Well, let's get to the important stuff first. Someone has sent us a uh, virgin copy in VHS of Bigger Than Life, and look at who that is. That's uh, Jeff Stryker. It says just happens to be. Why does it say huge on the side? Huge video. That's oh, just the I name see. of the company. I see. I just got, the name of the company. I was confused. We also have the uh, short version, the record, by Mojo, Nixon, and Skid Roper. Elvis is everywhere. I love that The record. edited version, the short one. I like the long version. Which I noticed that Zeta played the long one this morning, didn't they? Sounds good. On FM, it. it really sounded good. Yeah. Well, it's about time. Anyway, uh, you know, you better listen very carefully now because you may never hear this again. And tomorrow we're going to give away five copies of this. And again, I want you to keep in mind, this is Canadian, okay? And if it's Canadian, you know that it's got to be funny and it can't be bad and all of that stuff. Are we given enough disclaimers now? <laughs> okay? <laughs> How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? It is our privilege to bring you at this time an eyewitness report of the first international trepidation contest. We are speaking to you from the ringside of the great Maple Leaf Auditorium, which is packed to the rafters with spectators, eager and curious. For the benefit of my listeners who are not acquainted with the facts relating to this event, it might be well to describe the two contestants. Lord Windesmere from Wapping Fog Hall in Devonshire is, of course, the champion of the British Empire. The challenger is Paul Boomer, native son of Australia, who I understand worked his way to Canada in the crew of an ocean freighter carrying a load of Melbourne cabbage, upon which, uh, so it is stated, Boomer trains exclusively. Uh, uh, I see now there's a bit of a flurry around Lord Windesmere's entrance. And yes, here he comes, Lord Windesmere. I'll see, I'll see if I can get him to come to the microphone and say a few words. Joe, Joe, will you see if you can get, get his lordship to come over here for a minute? Uh, tell him it's for the radio. Okay, I'll get him for you. Uh, thanks. Well, uh, Lord Windesmere appears to be in good spirits. He's smiling and... Catting, thrown about him is a beautiful silk dressing gown of purple velvet upon which is worked, I imagine, to be the, the coat of arms of the House of Windersphere. It's a beautiful thing. A uh, good boy, Joel. Uh, in just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to have his lordship himself come to the microphone and say a few words. Right over here, please. Right over here. Yeah, yeah right here. Yes. Yes, folks, here he is. Right in the microphone, the champion himself, Lord Windersphere. Uh, Your Highness, uh, how did you come to take an interest in this... Uh, unusual art. Well, I suppose you could say it all 
started over Lady Windersmere's fan. I see. Yes, I noticed she was constantly waving this fan in front of her face, so I asked her why the deuce she did it. And so she retorted that if I insisted on constantly crepitating, she had to fan away in pure self-defense, you see. Now, uh, uh, my friends were drawn into the controversy and persuaded me to capitalize on my proficiency and sort of, uh, sort of going for it and all that. Uh, uh, that's all. Thank you very much, Your Majesty. Thank you, and good luck to you. That was Lord Windersmere, a champion crepitator of the British... Oh, and here's the challenger. Here's Paul Boomer from Australia. Paul, over here, please. Please ask Mr. Boomer to come over here, please. The radio. We want to speak on the radio. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. I think we'll have Paul Boomer for you right away. Yes, here he comes. His attendant has just pointed us out. And how did Paul? How? <laughs> he just waves his hand in greeting and starts walking over to the microphone. And here, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Paul Boomer. Uh, will you say hello to our audience, Mr. Boomer? Hello, Canada! Uh, now tell me, sir, when did you first realize that you were proficient enough to take a, uh, a shot at the uh, Empire Championship? Well, ever since I was a little nipper, I liked to fart. I remember I used to make my mother and father laugh their bleeding heads off when I used to let one go in church during the announcement of the ladies' aid. Excuse me, Mr. Boomer, on the radio, we call it uh, crepitating. Now, look here, cobber. What I always says is, a fart's a fart, whether you raise up on one cheek and sneak or whether you give it a full blast like I do. Very well. As long as the CBC is no objection, <laughs> I personally find the four-letter word much easier to say and... Uh, more descriptive than the longer and more academic uh, campaign. Thank you. And I would like to say... Oh, and there's the bell. Thank you, Mr. Boomer. And good luck. Paul Boomer hurries off to the center of the arena to meet the champion and to receive instructions. Now the house lights are dimming and the great flood of high-powered electric lights cascade down onto the center of this great arena where stands, in simple eloquence, uh, the farting post. The farting post is about four feet high and is decorated with red, white, and blue bunting up to about nine inches from the top. The bare top section is worn smooth by the grip of many hands in previous contests. And now it appears that Paul Boomer is to be the first at the post. Now that, I believe, is customary for the challenger to make the first effort. Yes, Paul Boomer takes off his dressing gown and strides to the farting post. He grips it firmly around the top and flexes his knees. The signal to commence has not yet been given, so we may assume that these are just preliminaries. I think I have time to describe Mr. Boomer's outfit. He's stripped from the waist up and wears a tight-fitting trunks of powder blue trimmed with scarlet. These trunks are similar to those worn by wrestlers with one important difference. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a hole about six inches in, the di in diameter removed from the seat. This, of course, has been done for obvious reasons. This symmetrical aperture is called the fenêtre du brise, literally translated meaning the Zephyr window. Mr. Boomer's finesse de Bries has a scarlet trim around its perimeter, giving a very provocative air to this genial Australian backside. Oh, and there goes the signal to commence. You might have heard it over my microphone. A, a blast on the medieval Bronx-Suzar Spiegel, the traditional woodwind instrument associated with this sport for centuries. And now a hush falls on the vast, the vast throng as Boomer walks slowly, deliberately to the farting post. He's exuding confidence, and he gives one... Last all-encompassing grin to the tense audience as he grips the farting post between a pair of hands that look as though they could splinter the post. Now he flexes his knees, much in the manner of a boxer. 
He seems to be concentrating on the very top of the farting post. You can hear a pin drop, and here it comes. Oh, a beauty, a beauty. I think it was a triple flutter blast. Yes, that's what the judge signals. A triple flutter blast. That gives him 25 points right off the bat. And, and another, another of the same, and another 25 points. That followed by one... Followed by one, no, two, I beg your pardon, three fuzzy farts in rapid succession. It's amazing how this man can change pace and style of offering by a slight, simple shifting of his buttock area. He's still gripping the post in complete concentration. Boomer now has a score of uh, uh, 65, those last three fuzzy farts at five points apiece, adding 15 to his previous score. And now here's something coming. A blooper, a blooper, a perfectly executed blooper. What's that? I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that was a follow-up flooper, a follow-up flooper. The second time in the history of this sport that a follow-up flooper has been achieved in open competition. The only other time, I believe, was during the World Series held in Europe in 1783. During the course of this series, uh, Francois Fouf, the famous French father, after leaving uh, a follow-up flooper, defeated Sandy McWind, his Scottish opponent, by only one bloop and then dropped dead. As you know, since then, in honor of Monsieur Fouf, the bloop had been dropped from open competition. And now the score is 105 for Boomer. Flooper, of course, counts 10 points. But a follow-up flooper, a very difficult maneuver, gives 40 points. Well, this certainly has been a whirlwind session. I think that Paul Boomer is about played out or blown out, as they say. What am I saying? There's a fuzzy fight and another. That gives him 10 more points. And he's not through yet, apparently. Wait a minute. Here comes a, a three. Oh, a little three. Worth only two points and very dangerous. Uh, and another, and, and another three. Well, not bad. Well, he's certainly putting up a fighting finish. Four threeps, a very hazardous, uh, very hazardous part because of the danger of plotching. But giving him eight, a very valuable point. And there he throws up his hands. He throws up his hands as a signal that he's finished. And the crowd gives him a tremendous ovation. He's, he's sitting down. Looking a little pale, a little wan perhaps, but smiling, smiling happily at the crowd. This man has a definite charm about him that has endeared him to all except the most rabid Windesmere fans. And uh, here's his, uh, wait a minute. Oh, Boomer! 123 points! Did you hear that, Paul Boomer? 123 points, a world's record. Beating Lord Windesmere's previous world mark of 119 by four points. Paul Boomer at this moment is the world's champion. But for how long, we don't know, because Lord Windesmere might take it right back again. And here's his lordship now walking up to the post, apparently not in the least disconcerted by the brilliant performance of the challenger. He's outfitted a little differently from Paul Boomer. He has purple tights, full-length tights, and around the fenêtre de brise, you remember the hole cut out from the center of his seat, around this there's a fringe of little gold tassels about four inches long. This, no doubt, is some decoration affected by... The, just a moment... Seems to be some sort of a dispute here. Paul Boomer and his seconds are on their feet and seem to be arguing with the judges and and pointing to the fringe on their champion's posterior. Oh, I see. I see Paul Boomer is claiming that the fringe might add a whistle or some other sound to Lord Windesmere's efforts and so increase their value. And after all, in a closely fought contest like this, every little advantage must be jealously watched. The judges appear to be agreeing with Paul Boomer and they direct the champion to remove the fringe. He doesn't like the decision very much. And the crowd is getting, the crowd's getting resentful. They think he should be a better sport about it. And I agree with them. 
Oh, he seems to have decided that he's got to give in. And he rips off the fringe and flings it to the ground. Then he walks over to where Boomer is sitting. He turns his back, puts his hands on his hips, and... Oh! Oh, he leaves a three right in Paul Boomer's face. The crowd get a, a kick out of this. As you know, a three is a very low scorer, only two points. But to throw one away just in a gesture of defiance demonstrates the spirit of dash and recklessness which has made the Englishman the champion that he is. He's smiling disdainfully now as he returns to the center of the arena. He nods to the judge to show he's ready. And he... Hello, what's this? He's not going to use a farting post. Lord Windesmere, the champion, in a final gesture of contempt, scorns the use of the farting post. Well, this is developing into a bit of a grudge contest. He has his hands on his hips, feet apart, knees slightly bent, and... A sizzler. His first attempt is... And another one. Two in a row. And another one. A third. Three sizzlers in a row. A tremendous effort. 60 points in his first 30 seconds. This one. And one, two, three, four. Four fuzzes. Four fragrant fuzzes in rapid succession. It's a pleasure to see the ease and comfort with which his lordship leaves his fart. Perfect technique. And now his score is 80 points. 80 points in the first 30 seconds of the post. Now he's getting ready again, hands on hips, a little bit red in the face as he strains to... Oh, something there. Wait a minute. Something's wrong. His attendants run into him. He's in some kind of distress. I see. Yes, the judge's signal. It was a plotcher. Oh, hard luck, your lordship's a hard luck. The champion left a very bad plotcher and will be penalized 15 points. That puts him back to... 65 points, 59 short of the 124 he needs to retain his championship. He's all set again and seems to be straining a little more cautiously. And here is... A fundus break. Oh, a beautiful bit of wind-breaking virtuosity. A most difficult, a most difficult part to perform without plotting. This man has wonderful control, and the crowd are really warming up to him. That last, that, that fundus break counts 30 points, and it takes Lord Windesmere up to 95 points. Point. It's getting very tense now, and here it is. Here is the next one. A trill blow, a trill blow. Ten points, followed by a resounding single flutterblast. I think that is. Wait, yes, the judges... Uh, proclaim that to be a, a single flutter blast. A lovely, a lovely change of pace there. And now the excitement is growing unbearable as the champion uh, takes a step away from the post and his score is 120. Just three points short of the Paul Boomer mark. Just three points short. If he gets one, one more fuzzy or two small freaks, it's all over with the shouting and the challenger will have to return to Australia with his shattered hopes. I think everyone's heart Aches for Paul Boomer. He's really a great guy. But uh, Windy Smear steps up to the post again and looks very confident as he gets ready for the killing. And here it comes. Uh, a three. A three. That's two more points. A little small three was all it was. Two points. And now it's practically over. Just one more of those little threeps, those little two-point threeps in the contest will be over. It seems as though his lordship was deliberately tormenting Boomer by dallying. But Boomer's smiling. It's a forced smile, but he's 
trying hard, he's sitting there trying hard to take it like the grand sportsman that he is, but you can see defeat standing ready to sweep away his dreams at almost any instant. And now Lord Windersmere steps forward and, hello, hello, he's going to use the farthing post for his final evidence. He grasps the post, uh, flexes his knees. It looks as though he's going to try for a high-scoring effort for a whirlwind finish, perhaps another Sisler. And now he's trying very hard. The veins are, are starting out on his forehead, and even the trickle of perspiration venturing down his temple seems to hesitate so that this mighty last effort should have undivided attention. Now, the suggestion of a smile from the champion seems to have decided just what treatment is going to give this final bid. I see the audience almost to a man is on its feet, breathless and tense. He closes his eyes. A look of pure ecstasy on his face. Oh! Oh, he's... The champion is disqualified! Ladies and gentlemen, as a special service feature, we have brought you direct from the ringside of the Maple Leaf Auditorium a blow-by-blow description of the first trepidation contest held under international auspices. This broadcast replaced midweek meditations usually heard at this time. <laughs> okay, that's it. 22 before 11 at WINZ. You know, was that worth it? Was that worth the wait? They had to wait a whole day, but I think it was worth it. I had to wait 22 years since the last time that I heard that. <laughs> You think they're upset? I hope so. <laughs> okay, we'll find out when we come back. I don't think so. I think when we give away the five albums tomorrow that the phones are going to explode, well, so this, to speak. What we're going to do next is going to upset some people. What is that? A break. That's enough. Okay. We start in small doses, don't you understand? We don't, we don't want to overdo this, because you, all of a sudden, we got a new deal. He comes sauntering in here every morning. Ten, you could set your watch on it. You know, the atomic bong that they've got at CBS, the atomic clock. They could set the atomic clock on his entrance into the studio every morning at 10.06. He just saunters in, cradles his wing around the mic stand, and you can get, couldn't get out of him out of here for love or money. I'm telling you, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. And uh, we don't want to put a crimp in his wing, but uh, just maybe a little dent in his brain or something. So we're trying to bring you back to reality here because this is not a, uh, not a playground here. This is a radio show. This is a real radio show. Now, how are we going to break the news to John? That's going to be your assignment. That's going to be... Um... Well, you get all the tough assignments because he's going to be really upset with me. But, you know, Bill Calder could not do my vacation because of contractual conflict with that other unmentionable station. So we have a little problem, and it looks like I'm not going to be going away all that time after all. I'm just going to be uh, leaving on Fridays and Saturdays for a few weeks, and I'm going to be here right on through. I'm not going anywhere, and uh, I'm very depressed about that. But my friend John is going to be really upset. He's going to, he's going to get paranoid now. And it has nothing to do with him, does it? Well, they can't hear you nodding your head no. What a douchebag. The one time we need him to say something, he starts doing sign language again. Maybe we'll send uh, you and John. No. No? He knows about it now. Oh, is his mic open again? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Do you notice that you didn't even open it up? It opened by itself. I can't believe it. More magic. Oh, it must be that harmonica convergence again. I can't believe it. I suddenly hear Stevie Wonder. There's another volunteer right there. You don't have anything to do, do you? No. He would love. Wouldn't you love to... Uh, 
address those envelopes and send them out. You can even address a few in Spanish, you know. Senor Joe Smith, you know, that kind of stuff. we got a good sense of humor. Oh, you're not leaving us, are you? You're going to put him to work and put Nancy to work. Good. Do something useful, would you please? And maybe you could bring some in here and do some while you're sitting around. You're not going to be talking. I never thought of that. Maybe uh, the bird could actually do some work. I know that that's against his religion, but uh, that might be... How come I never thought of that? He's got us so conditioned now into doing nothing, you know? I mean, this man has worked. He has manipulated this job into, um, into a paying deal for himself. It's incredible. I know, Glenn and work are not compatible. I know that, Kyle. You don't have to write it on the screen. I'm more aware of it than anybody. But, um, well, once in a while he books a guest, like for Ira. Once in a great while. Not too often. Just to make it look kosher. Okay, we'll get to Sandy Payton. And, of course, most of the people in my audience don't even know who she is. And believe me, once she comes on the air, you'll really be excited. Uh, I can't wait myself because she and Lori Sheffield, the producer, are now together again. Boy, what a romance that is. Huh? Made in heaven. And when the two of them get back together again with the TV repairman and the nutritionist and sugar cookies, it's going to be so exciting. She's going to be so dynamic on that station, probably because they have that good signal, that technical. I kind of like the way they sound myself. By the way, Stan called Alice on the air yesterday. And uh, it was really, I was in the car and I was punching back and forth. And it's really amazing because they've got a seven second delay and we have a three and a half second delay. So it was really confusing punching back and forth. And when you'd punch up winds, it would be clear and you could understand. And then you'd punch to snooze. Oh, God, you know, and you couldn't understand a word anybody was saying. So it was really bizarre. And then after Stan hung up, Alice took a nasty shot at him and said, boy, that major is always desperate for a show, which of course is true. But, um, and I told Stan that last night. He said, no, that wasn't a shot. That wasn't a shot. I said, yes, it was. It was a, a nasty shot. No, no, not Al. Now, speaking of Stan, we're going to take our first break. And then when we come back, we have a little crisis here at WINZ. No, we don't have a little crisis. We have a major crisis, as in you-know-who major. I mean, I worked my, t it was bad enough that I worked so hard Saturday putting all the music on cart and the audience hated me. No, they didn't hate me. They just hated the music. Well, they hated me for playing it, let's be honest. That was bad enough. But then yesterday morning I come in and I worked like crazy. You know what it's like listening through seven minutes of Don Johnson to find one part of an interview that you put on cart? I mean, that's a, a punishment worse than the death penalty. Even Daffy would have loved it. But, um, <laughs> no, we'll save her for later on. When it gets closer to two and the suits start tuning in to see if she's going to be coming back. But anyway, we have a little crisis because it seems that somebody has spirited away all of yesterday's work because he doesn't want to jeopardize Don coming on the show. So we'll take care of that, and we'll take care of him. 20 the Winn-Dixie in the Jacaranda Square Plaza, or whatever that is, because last night... See, it's always on the way home that he forces me to stop at these supermarkets, allegedly, you know, having to finger through the intamins or something. But anyway, he got me to go to this other Winn-Dixie over by where he is. It was the most mung place. The selection of food was pathetic. And the help, certainly, were all on a work release program. There's no question about that. From the House of Uglies. And it was just one of those, you know, you'd let that man lead you around by the nose, and it's always going to spell disaster. It's always going to spell disaster. But that wasn't his biggest misdeed yesterday. His major misdeed of the day. Are you cackling again? Are you gurgling? His major misdeed of the day was, he says to me, in my car, no less. He says, oh, uh, I pulled that cart, by the way. 
I said, what card? He said, the uh, Don Johnson thing. Now, do you follow that? That would be like my going into his rack over to my right, correct? Over to my right. There's another with his stuff over there. I don't pay any attention to that stuff. There's some of my stuff in there, which I do pay a lot of attention to. But the stuff that's his, I keep my hands off. I mean, can you imagine my going in there and pulling out something of his that he worked to put on cart that he uses on the air? No way, Jose. No chance. Oh, uh, by the way, I pulled that cart. I don't want to jeopardize uh, getting uh, Johnson on the air. He might get pissed by, you know, you keep playing that. I suffered through seven minutes of toying with that interview, listening to that ridiculous... Hey, uh, oh yeah, buddy, uh, pal, oh, that... You know, that stuff, that mung, that absolute mung. In order to put that on, I did a magnificent job, if I do say so myself, lifted that little bit out of there, which, you know, it's one of those, like, uh, lost, like the lost excerpts, because you don't happen to hear it on the 2 to 6 show, that particular part of the interview, because it's embarrassing. And he pulls it out of my rack and tells me this. And he's had fair warning. I told him I was going to rip him to shreds on the air today. I told him that. And I don't want to let him down now wasn't bad enough he did that. Then he dragged me into that horrible Winn-Dixie. Oh, what a place. What a selection. All the customers, there, weren't, there was hardly anybody in there, and the handful of people that were in there, they had their fingers down their throats as they were going up and down the aisle. Oh, look at this. Ah. You know, they couldn't believe what a terrible store that was. You stick with a winner, Stan. You stick with a winner, and he just doesn't know what it's all about. So anyway, he uh, has lifted that cart, taken the label off of it, no less, and hidden it somewhere in this building because he doesn't want me to jeopardize this fantasy that's never going to happen anyway. Johnson's never going to come in here. He's a prima donna. In fact, I've been scouring all over looking for... Uh, we happened to hear it on the radio last night, Donna the Prima Donna by Dion, one of my favorite records, by the way. But I know you don't want to hear my music, so don't worry about it. I'm not going to play it. Uh, and I can't find it. I do have it somewhere. I've got that Dion album, but somebody, I guess, lifted it. Because it was in this building. And anything you bring in this building is going to disappear faster than you can say um, James Hummel. So he's gurgling now. He's gurgling. He's drooling. So anyway, we have a little problem there, which we'll deal with in just a second. Also, it seems that we've been led down the garden path, all of this jazz about Jeff Stryker calling in on Stan Major's show. Jeff Stryker lives in California, which I heard some queen call in on yesterday's Stan Major show to give us the accurate information. And, of course, anybody with an IQ of over two would know that because this X-rated brochure that came in is from Catalina Video. And it's, uh, it has a toll-free number if you want to order these dirty pictures. And it also says in California, call toll-free this number which means this is an outfit obviously out of California. Like most of these are, all this perverted stuff comes from California, and we love it. But anyway, Jeff Stryker does not live in this area, uh, did not call in the Stan Major show, lives in California, in West Hollywood. The Island Queen has sent to us, which we haven't received yet, a three-foot-tall poster of Jeff Stryker, which we're waiting for with bated breath. And when it comes, you'll know when it comes in the building. You will know. When you hear this silence and then a thud when I fall on the floor, you'll know that the poster has arrived. Well, I mean, if it's a three-foot-tall poster, look at this small picture and look at that, okay? Now, if that's blown up on a three-foot poster, holy Toledo is all I can say. I mean, that's going to be frightening. 
The name of the movie, by the way, is Power Tool, for those of you who are into those, uh, you know, home fix-it kind of stuff. <laughs> Did I say fix-it? Now our chief engineer will be racing in here. No, don't get nervous. He's nervous because uh, Sandy, you know, he used to work with her. A lot, a lot of these people in the building used to work with Sandy. And they've been running around with little Sandy Payton voodoo dolls. Not fix it, though. He said she uh, never stole a freight train. But he did have some terrible things to say about her son, which I will not repeat on the air. I won't repeat those. They were scandalous. Uh, so anyway, Jeff Stryker will probably be calling in from West Hollywood, California, not Florida. See, probably somebody said, oh, you know, Jeff Stryker lives in Hollywood. And they thought, you know, like Hollywood, Florida. And, of course, he's under the age of 100, so there's no way that he lives in Hollywood to begin with. Anybody knows that. But West Hollywood, California, yeah, I can see him being out there. And let's face it, is he something to get all excited about anyway? He is? Okay. Don, before you go, could you do one short thing for me? Uh, what's that, Stan? Just say, freeze, Major, Miami Vice, you're under arrest. Absolutely, I'm not going to do that. Okay, now you see, the mistake that Mr. Major made <laughs> is that he left the cart in the room. Now, he did put it way in the back there with the erased carts and the carts, you know, the throwaway stuff, and he did take the label off. And there are about four or five carts back there, but having a good memory, I looked at the top of the cart, and it looked very familiar to me. And I said, gee, I wonder if this is the one. And I put it in here this morning, and I listened to it, and lo and behold, what do you think I heard? There were the mellifluous tones of Stan Major, along with that, that annoying, raspy voice of that douchebag. And I'm supposed to sit here, and I'm going to shill, I'm going to pretend. And I hear these young airheads, I heard a couple more in the 5.30 yesterday. You keep encouraging him and encouraging him. Don't you understand? You're destroying the man's career by encouraging this viceness, this, this insanity, this obsession, this fetish with this ridiculous show and this ridiculous guy and his whole bit. Like Michael Talbot. I don't even know who Michael Talbot is. And then he had that bodyguard, or whoever that guy was, allegedly a bodyguard for Don Johnson who called in yesterday, who threw a shot at me, you know, about, well, uh, yeah, I was over on the set. They're shooting vice. Who cares where they're shooting it? Does anybody care? No. And uh, the comment was, well, he talked to a Don, and Don said, oh, yeah, I know Stan. He's a great guy. But that other guy over there, you know, not so sure about him. Well, we're sure about you, Don, okay? We're positive that you're an arrogant, obnoxious douchebag. Okay? I mean, that's just the way it is. Now I'm going to get accused of breaking up that romance, just like I got accused of that seven-year-old girl or whoever she was. I get blamed whether it's George Valdez, no matter what it is. I get blamed for it, and I'm used to it. I'm, I'm taking responsibility for everything bad. The Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, the Holocaust, uh, World War II, you name it. I'll take the blame. Stuff before I was born, okay? I'll take the blame for it. See, it's a lot easier if you just do that. Then just like, put a blanket over everything and you take responsibility for all of it. You can turn on his mic again long enough for him to read uh, this definition. Have you found it? Yeah. Enigma. You know, and E-N-I. Yeah. Now, is the G silent? Because if the G is silent, it means you're an enema. No. Enig. Okay. Enigma. But it is something to think about because there are some languages where the G is silent. So E-N-I-G-M-A might be pronounced enema. You mean like Nat? <laughs> it's yeah, Nat Moore. <laughs> By know, the way, if Jim Langer would have started at center the other night, Dolphins would have won the game. And George Wilson Jr. Understand they're bringing him back to replace Marino the next four weeks. Who told you that? Do you realize that Offerdahl's going to be out for ten <laughs> weeks? We can't afford for him to be out for ten, for ten minutes. 
much less for 10 weeks. I mean, a team with a great defense like we've got cannot afford to lose John Offerdahl for 10 weeks. But, hey, listen, I can't believe you're talking about football. Is that what you're talking I about? I love the Dolphins. Is that okay? what you're talking about? It took me years, but I finally, about five years ago, became a convert. I love my Dolphins. It's this weather. Is there something wrong with that? Are no, you it's the weather. Hate the Dolphins? It's got you you're in You're supposed to like all those out-of-town teams like no, Campbell Marshall likes those Martian teams? Not he likes his old hometown teams, you know. We support the hometown team. Yeah. Of course we yeah, do. Yeah, Mr. Jock over here. <laughs> Mr. Sports. What are we talking about? Basket? What are we, hockey again? What is yeah. this? Okay. Yeah, Nat Moore. He used to play hockey for the uh, Red Wings. <laughs> uh, I wanted to read the definition of enigma, which you've been calling me an enigma enema. for the last few days. No, no, not We've enema. been calling you an enema. No. You've been calling me an enema. And now that Sandy's coming back on, look at that. Your timer is, uh, your, your egg timer is cooking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a definition on the same page. Cut them off. Okay. Now, you see, you did too much. You got carried away. You have to slow down, relax, put a lid on that cackle, control yourself, behave like a mensch. You know what that means? A mensch. M-E-N-T-S-C-H. It won't be in there. It's a Yiddish word. This is a bilingual show. Who want Mr. Valdez to feel right at home, you know? Speak a language he understands. You know which language he understands? Verbal terrorism. That's the only one he understands. The only impact that Neil Royer made in this community was terrorize this community. Okay. I've done it again. The terrorist. 10 to 2 weekdays, only on WINZ. Okay, put him back on again. I just wanted to read this definition. So people, you know, people don't all know what enigma Okay, let's see. All the people in the audience that want him to read the definition. Let's see. Okay, wait a minute. Let me hang up on these three. Four. Okay, start with a clean slate. All the people in this audience want to hear the... Cut it out now. Now, see, look I haven't even them. asked the question. You haven't given the number. And no, I never give the number read. anymore. Look at that. They're all lit up. They okay. to read enigma. From now on, that's what we'll do. We'll get permission from the audience for you to speak. <laughs> that's all right. By the word. That's One okay. word at a time. <laughs> now, which word would you like to use? Keeping in mind that the FCC is in town monitoring this show. Oh, that's right. Monitoring everybody. That's in right. In English only, by the way. Mm-hmm. How come they don't listen to those Spanish language stations? They can't understand what they're saying. Why don't they bring a Ricky Ricardo or somebody down here who can understand <laughs> Spanish and monitor some of those stations? They you know? don't know what no. they can say anything. Exactly. They can do any damn thing they want. <laughs> Nobody knows. Comunista! Comun- you know, all day that stuff goes on. Talk about verbal terrorism. Fidel. Hysteria. Fidel. The monster. Yeah. What is an enigma? You've been referring to me as an enigma. Excellent question. And I would like to read the definition. Sometime between now and two, we may get the answer. (laughs) Well, there's a definition on here concerning Jeff Don't rush him. Don't rush him, will you please? It could be worse. He could be on the FM. You are on the FM. Yeah. You're probably responsible for at least .001 of that .9. Or whatever. No, it's not a .9. It's a 1-1. Come on. Let's be honest now. It's you're a just one-one. jealous. Of what? The FM? I'm on, because I'm on there and you're Why don't we give them some of our points? Sure. We're very altruistic Screw here. Screw that. <laughs> We're in a very magnanimous mood today. We'll give them a few of I our points. I can't even go on vacation. How do you like that? I have to take my vacation one day at a time. You don't have to. Two days at a time. Well, it just worked out that way. That's what you prefer, and that's fine. That's fine. A little easier on the Yeah, what's this we business? You've been uh, lapsing into that lately, we. Did I say we? An appendage of this program or something. Did I say we? Did he say we? Now, were you speaking in French? Yeah. (laughs) We. Don't say it twice. 
That could be actionable if you say it <laughs> twice. <laughs> can't control himself, can he? He just can't control himself. You better be nicer. I'll tell him your reaction when I asked about Jeff Stryker. And that'll <laughs> blow your whole image again right down the drain. All your friends at the Thai Orchid will be on the phone again telling us, telling us the true story of which direction this bird flies in. <laughs> you ever see a bird that wore an earring in its left ear? <laughs> or its right ear? Well, I don't know. I get confused. I keep thinking about that kid in Winn-Dixie. A lot. He hasn't come back. By the way, if there's anybody who works at that Winn-Dixie, now, sir, you'll get to read the definition. Just relax. I am relaxed. Relax. Is there any pressure on this show? Last night, I, I have that gizmo you take your blood pressure with. Mm-hmm. 127 over 81. Well, that's good, isn't I it? I am so proud of that. Yeah. That's a good blood pressure. I mean, 120 would be, you know, perfect. But for me, that's a great blood pressure. Calm, relaxed. At ease, don't you? No pressure. Don't you understand? That's why I'm here is to keep you calm and relaxed and keep you. It would have been 110 over 70 except for you. <laughs> no, I'm here to keep you. It would have been perfect. I keep you from getting your blood pressure up. Don, before you go, could you do one short thing for me? Uh, what's that, Stan? Just say freeze, Major Miami Vice. You're under arrest. Absolutely, I'm not going to do that. Okay, he just keeps refusing over and over and over again. Now, if he uses that as an excuse not to come on Stan's show, I mean, is that a Mickey Mouse excuse or what? That's no excuse. I mean, what does this show have to do with that great love affair between uh, S&M or whatever their initials are? <laughs> Stan and Miami Vice. Whatever, yeah. S&M. Stan and Miami Vice. Okay. All right. He also asked another part of that interview that didn't make it on the air. He said, Don, have you been chased? <laughs> now, how is he spelling that? <laughs> now, what was I starting to say before you so rudely interrupted me with this enema business? No, you weren't. I was getting into something very important. And it totally escaped me. It either had something to do with John Offerdahl or Dan Marino. Oh, that's real important. Oh, yeah, George Wilson Jr. is going to come back. He's going to be uh, filming the exhibition games. So those of you who would like to uh, get refunds for your tickets, just call Weaver will take care of it. <laughs> How about those Braves, by the way? You know, Chuck Tanner is the only manager in all of baseball that's got two teams either in last place or on the verge of it. I'm not sure the Braves, I think, are just barely ahead of the Padres, no less. Remember, the Padres lost 700 games in a row at the beginning of the season, <laughs> and they were uh, taking Larry Boa out to those John Birch meetings and hanging him, uh, not in effigy, but for real, you know, just for little short times. And uh, they were so far, and now all of a sudden the Braves are right down there with them. They're on the precipice. And, of course, the Pirates are like 500 games out in the east, and Tanner's ghost is still in Pittsburgh, you know. So he's, uh, he really does it. I mean, watching them play is like uh, watching life in slow-mo, you know. <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that Dale Murphy were on that team, I don't think I could handle those broadcasts anymore. And Skip Carey, I like Skip. Mm -hmm. He's excellent. Mm -hmm. Not as good as Dale Murphy, but... I'm glad to hear you. Maybe talking. we could get Dale. I think there's a better show. We could get a better chance of getting Dale Murphy on this show by phone. <laughs> Seriously. Than Don Johnson being in the studio with Stan. Dale would come on here by phone. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, until I told him what we wanted. Yeah. What do we want? There's that we again. You notice? See, I slipped that in there and he picked right up on it. I know what I want. I don't know what you want. A lot of people ask me that, by the way. What I want? Exactly. Well, so to speak. No, it's true. That's the one thing they all want to know about the bird. 
is which way does he fly? And I keep telling him, I don't think he flies at all. I think he just, uh, like a hummingbird, you know, the wings are moving like crazy, but it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I think that's basically it. Now, look, I'm, I'm the producer of this show. I'm involved with this show. I can say we. I mean, I'm very much involved in the show and have been for quite a while. I'm the producer. A little bit too involved at times, yeah. Exactly. Yes. So that's why See, I... he agreed. didn't disagree. No, that's why I say we, because I work on this show. Look at those phones, man. They're just flashing frantically now. Is that great or what? <laughs> yeah. Is this a great life or what? Do you feel better? Now, getting to Sandy Payton, just before we get to your uh, definition of enema, <laughs> and I think there may be a relationship, and Linda Thornton, who needs... Do I dare say this delicately? Because I like Linda a lot, in spite of what she... I really do. She needs an enigma? Yeah, she needs an enigma. That's a, that was good. That almost redeemed him for the whole hour. Almost. Almost. She needs a coffee enigma. <laughs> and true. if she listens to the new show coming on, she'll hear Jane Dodd. And that's what we all strive for every day. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know Tanner can relate to this. You go uh, try to get people to talk about your radio station after 10 o'clock in the morning. The morning show is, the, hey, man, did you hear what Tanner did this morning? Or did you hear what Rick and Sutch did? Or did you hear what Udell did? When the night has come and the land is dark. Can't believe it. He did the talk up perfectly, didn't he? Incredible. Okay, thank you, Jimmy. It's 107 at WINZ, our final hour on a Wednesday. And I have, like, um, mush mouth, you know, when you've eaten. And especially when you eat, like, ice cream or yogurt and you can't talk and you're, like, tongue and you're, it's all just jammed together. Okay, somebody departed in Broward during the break, and uh, you know what they say about that. 524-9400, North Miami. Hello. Hi, Neil. Hi. I was listening to Sports Talk last night, and they had it from... Uh had Dolphin talk on or something, and someone called up, and Hank took the call and directed the question towards uh, Rick Weaver, and said, Rick, you know, Hank, uh, Neil is uh, talking about your deodorant on the radio again. <laughs> they both acted like they didn't hear what the caller said. Yeah. And he repeated it again, and they said, well, we, we can't understand that call. That was pretty funny. But I understand that uh, the bird's doing a show from uh, Bird Bull when you leave. A remote. Yeah, probably. Is that it? Woo! Okay. What was that all about? He was going along just fine, and he just lost it. Totally lost it there at the end. Boy, some of these people, man, it's like their last contact with reality. You know, it takes all kinds of people to make America what it is today. It takes doctors. Hello. And lawyers. Hi there. Accountants. 27. And librarians. <laughs> but it also takes much more than that. It also takes America's morons. Use your signal, you idiot! <laughs> Good morning! You know us. Why, we're all around you. We're taking 200 items through the express lane of the supermarket. Wait, let me get my other part. It's over here. <laughs> we're sitting behind you in the movie theater wrapping our Christmas gifts. <laughs> and we're holding up your bank line while we try to cash a check from the Bank of Venus. Hey, pal, could you hurry it up? Fine, how are you? We're the Association of Ignorant Americans, and we're always looking for new members. So if you hate any minority, don't read much, and just love to litter, then have a friend dial the phone for you and give us a call. Just dial area code 632-626-6766 or me, I'm a moron. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm a moron. <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning. Oh, was you sleeping? Oh, you <laughs> 
America's morons. We're taking years off your life. You can say that again, and I will. Okay, anyway, that card was not from our friends at uh, what? At Y100, because no. um, I don't know why I keep saying that, because Tanner hasn't been there for years. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's another card here, although I will say whoever is sending the cards has good taste. So keep the cards coming, okay? Keep those cards coming. Right, Davey? Yeah. How you doing? Good, pretty good. What's up in Davey? Seen any Haitians today? Oh, no. I've been uh, busy at work today. Haven't been running any cards down anywhere. Great. Uh, you know who this is? Who is this? John. John? Yeah. The reason why people don't call in... It's because we don't want to be chronic callers. Exactly. So that's why you had Thursday. Glad you're picking up on that, John. <laughs> what do you mean people don't call in? Well, look at that. Everybody in Broward hung up during the news break, just like yesterday again. Well, that's, that's why you had Thursday on Tuesday. <laughs> I can't believe this. Boy, this audience. They must be all getting out Franks and Beans for lunch. <laughs> 524-9400 is that Broward number. We gave the whole number today. Gee. I know. It hurt. It hurt. I love the contest. It was great. Good. We're going to have our own contest at noon. Well, I'm, I'm beaning up for it, you know. <laughs> great. Um, I got a, a definition here that, that kind of goes along with the contest. Uh, an asphalt is a medical term used to describe a rectum problem. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, Glenn, did you call gloves today? No. No. What are you talking about? Oh, More of this inside be... stuff I know. that nobody understands. What you know? happened? Um, maybe they faked the call or maybe I was I fell asleep again. But I was listening to them and they had the, the drop-ins with Neil on it. Yeah. And uh, then I heard uh, your voice on there talking to uh, Buttles. And um, <laughs> he, he was uh, talking about how great the station was and how they liked you. And then um, you said, well, everybody should listen to Neil at 10. Really? Yeah. I wonder if it's someone doing an impression of who me. Who said that? Wait, it's minute. real hard to do an impression who, of you. Who said that? pretty unique. I said it. But I, I don't call that radio station. Well, I must have been dreaming that. <laughs> well, no, that's possible. Oh, boy. We'll get to the bottom of it, John. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, research that for you. All righty. Because they, they do seem to be obsessed with mm. this show. And, mm-hmm. and every morning when I, you know, have uh, occasionally tune in and see what's doing, mm-hmm. they're always talking about either Neil or I. <laughs> yeah, well. Or both. Or both, yeah. <laughs> Donald and Noodles, yeah, they just can't get their minds off you two. Yeah. Well, they're not my type. <laughs> okay, listen, have a wonderful Boy. day and uh, don't steal any nickels, okay? All righty. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. North Miami Beach, hello. Hello, Neil. Hi. Hi, darling, this is Pearl Williams. Hi, Pearl. How are you, sweetheart? Great. I just must tell you I love you. I love everything you say, everything you do, and anybody who doesn't like you can go to hell. Exactly. <laughs> Listen to me, sweetheart. Did you, I'm sure you've heard that record before, haven't you? I haven't. I got up uh, just after that record, whatever it was. I heard you talking about it. I don't know what it was. Oh, you didn't hear it? Oh, darling. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, uh, who is it by? Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. What's on it, darling? I, I don't want to go into it. Oh, all right. Listen, I got to tell you, I've been trying to get you for a week, believe it or not. A week ago today, I was in Corky's with my grandkids having lunch. 
And behind us, there was a booth with five ladies. So help me God, I'm telling you the truth. And I said to my grandson, you've got to listen to this. They were all having a conversation about, did you hear Neil today? Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't miss him for the world. Of course. But we love him. You bet. Five ladies sitting and talking about you in a booth behind us. I was so thrilled to hear what they were saying. Me too. I felt I had to tell you. My ears were burning, Pearl. Yeah, but believe me, they were praising you to the skies. They love you, these ladies. I've got to tell you something that uh, you don't know because... I am a very learned in the Jewish language. I was brought up very orthodox, very orthodox. Now, there's a word you use, tush, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's referred to it as a baby's rectum. The actual meaning of this word tush in Jewish is a shower. Because when we were kids, we didn't have showers in our homes. We didn't even have bathrooms in those days and my mother would give me six cents and say go to the public tush and take a shower a tush what is shower believe it or not so in other words if I tell somebody to kushmir and tush that means kiss me in the shower right good right excellent and I felt I had to tell it to you another thing when these old farts call <laughs> you just say listen you old bags just be nice to your children, because they're the ones who are going to pick your nursing home. Very good good point. Good point, isn't it? That's what I thought. So I just thought I'd tell you I love you. You're brilliant. You have a brilliant mind. I love the bird. I love him. I know he grows on you, doesn't he? Oh, I love him. I think he's adorable. Like a small tumor on your arm, you know. <laughs> Pearl, do you know what fagula means in Jewish? Fagel is a bird. Exactly. <laughs> a little bird. A fagel, see, a fagel is a big bird. Right, and a fagel is a little bird. <laughs> a little bird. Exactly. And you're a little bird. A real fagel. Yeah, you're adorable. <laughs> well, listen, Pearl, it's always great hearing from you. And uh, and every time I can get through, I'll call you and, and just say hello and tell you I love you. Keep up the good work. Don't let anybody bug you. They try to do it to me, and they, it never worked. Screw them. Listen, sweetheart. Yes. I worked in New York. I was very, very risque. I was dirty. I know. You were about as dirty as they can get. Right. And uh, Dorothy Kilgallen never missed one day in the week without writing something bad about me. And I want you to know you couldn't get into the joint. Yeah. But was so packed you couldn't get near it. And then one day she wrote something nice about me. I wrote her a letter and I begged her not to change. Of <laughs> <laughs> the good work, I can't get the people in here. We're jammed every night in the week. Yeah. So whatever they say, whatever they want to do, screw them. <laughs> do what you're doing. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. You're a big pickup to most people in Florida who listen to you. You're a big pickup. You make their day. You start their day off beautifully. And keep up the good work. I love you. Thanks a lot. Okay, sweet. Bye-bye, Pearl. Bye. You don't even know who she is, do you? Yes, Pearl I do. Williams. Oh, yes, you do? I do. That's because I told you the last time she called. And it's always great to hear from her. Pam in Lauderhill, I want to thank you for the nice card. Boy, there's just tons of mail again here today. Good mail, too. Almost, well, most of it. Yeah. Oh. Dear Neil. Dear Neil. Thank hmm. God you're on your way off the air. Hmm. On your way off, don't forget to collect that bum stand and take him with you. 
The reason people listen to you is they're waiting to hear that you're out of there. <laughs> Eleven and a half years they've been listening, waiting to hear that I'm gone, just That's waiting right. for the day. I'm glad you saved your money because you're going to need it for a long, long time. <laughs> now I know there's a God un unsigned. Yeah. Isn't how, that good? How about that? But sorry, God sign. sorry to disappoint you, but uh, life goes on in the big city. And now, a continuous Neil Rogers music suite. One song in a row. Three minutes of continuous music on 94 WINC. in Nutty Buddies. Elvis is in your mom. He's in everybody. He's in the young, the old, the fat, the skinny, the white, the black, the brown, and the blue. People got Elvis in them too. Elvis is in everybody out there. Everybody's got Elvis in them. Everybody except one person that is. Yeah, one person. The evil opposite of Elvis. The anti-Elvis. Auntie Elvis got no Elvis in him, let me tell ya. Michael J. Fox has no Elvis in him. Uh-oh. Yeah, and Elvis is in Joan Rivers, but he's trying to get out, man. He's trying to get out. Listen up, Joni, baby. phenomenon out there in the world. A lot of things people say, what the heck's going on? Let me tell ya. Who built the pyramid? Elvis! Who built Stonehenge? Elvis! Yeah, I mean, you see guys walking down the street, pushing shopping carts, and they think they're talking to Allah, they're talking to themselves, man, no, they're talking to Elvis! 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 You know what's going on that Bermuda Triangle? Down the Bermuda Triangle. Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Elvis, 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 Elvis needs boats. Ah, the sailing Elvis. Captain Elvis. Commodore Elvis it is. Yeah, man. You know, people from outer space. People from outer space, they come up to me. They don't look like Dr. Spock. They don't look like Klingons, all that Star Trek job. They look like Elvis. Elvis. Everybody in outer space looks like Elvis, because Elvis is a perfect being. We're all moving in perfect peace and harmony towards Elvisness. Soon all will become Elvis. Everything, everywhere will be Elvis. Why do you think they call it evolution anyway? It's really Elvis-lution. Elvis-lution. Elvis is everywhere.
Thank you, man. You're welcome. Biscayne Gardens, hello. Good morning, man. Good Hi. Afternoon. Good evening. I called you this morning and this afternoon and I'm speaking to you. Anyway, this is the gay blade in Biscayne Gardens. I have a tip for the boys. Are you there? Yes. He's also got his mouth full. <laughs> but I'm listening. Okay. He's listening. Are you a fan <laughs> of Divine? The actor, actor? Yes, yes. I have a picture of Divine in my oh. uh, bathroom at home. Oh. Neil, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Boy, I have met Divine. Oh, boy. I have interviewed Divine. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. One of the first things that happened this morning after my Jeff Stryker virgin videotape arrived is our own movie reviewer requested desperately to borrow it or have a copy Don't of it. Don't say desperately. To review it. Not desperately. Well, requested to see it. Thank you. Okay, well, this is a tribute that Divine did to the Boyd a long time ago in a movie called Pink Flamingos. Which I've seen many times. Mm. Do you remember the birthday party? Sure. Do you remember the gentleman that laid on his back and sang through his... Yes. The highlight of the movie. One of the highlights. Right. Do you remember the song he sang? No. The Boyd. <laughs> the Bird's the Word. That's oh, really? The Bird's the Word. That's right. If you don't have it, I will send you a copy. I don't have it. I will send you a copy. How do you happen to have a copy? Of Pink Flamingos? Yeah. I have all of John Waters' films. He sang The Birds, oh. The Word? I'm a big John Waters fan. Me too. Yeah. I'm on the outside of this car. I have no idea what you they're talking about. You never saw Pink Flamingos? Oh, well, a bird, bird, bird. Bird is the word. I have no idea what these two are talking about. It's a little inside. This yeah. is the boys. So don't blame me, those of you in the audience who are getting all upset. And sticking your fingers deep in your throat to bring lunch back for a second go-round. I have no idea what they're talking about. Everybody saw Pink Flamingos when they were in college. You missed that? You must have been absent. Ooh, look at that yogurt. Oh, boy. Boy. Holy Toledo. If you could see this yogurt, it looks so good. Yeah, that's wishful thinking. I'm, no, I'm telling you, I'm serious. Okay, well, I just wanted to call in and tell you that uh, to remind you of it. And, Neil, you have a wonderful vacation. Thanks a lot. Miss you. Okay. What a call. Great call. I have no idea what he was talking about, but it was a great call. <laughs> Boy, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to scream or eat this banana. <laughs> because there's all that beautiful, those strawberries look so good. It takes a special breed of man to get these bones across the roughest part of the Colorado River. Or to get that tug alongside a 5,000-ton super tanker. And when it's all said and done, you know you were the man in charge of bringing her home. Yeah, that's me. Y you? Yeah. Come on. Well, get serious. Hey. That's not you. What do you mean? You're like most beer drinkers. What? All you want is eight hours of football, a tub full of Fritos, yeah. and a couch big enough to handle you and your tush. Your big as a mountain. Head tush beer. Big as a mountain. Beer belly. Big bottom. No problem here. Just have another keg of extra heavy tush beer. Tush. We're brewing the beer for the biggest part of you. Uh, tush. Your big as a mountain. Fat thighs of Tush breweries. Say you leave Missouri. What did Pearl Williams say? The Tush means shower. Big shower. Yeah. <laughs> Your buddy's 
records. You've seen his films. You've even purchased the Dayglow Velvet Memorial paintings at the gas station. As a true Elvis fan, you think you've heard it all. But wait, there's more. Now you can buy secret recordings of Elvis's last telephone conversations. Yes, it's the Elvis tapes. Hello, baby. This is Elvis. And I want you to come over right now and make me a big peanut butter and then a sandwich. A peanut butter and a little sandwich with a good man through with the <laughs> You'll hear Elvis in his most intimate moments. Hello, Pizza Man, Pizza. Yeah, this is the Elvis. So won't you bring me over a couple large pies? I'll make it three. I'll make it six, double cheese. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm alone. And I'm hungry. Elvis reveal how he really feels about the one true love of his life. I want you back. I want you back. I'm alive, David. And on your way back, would you pick up some donuts, please? Lake jelly, cream donuts, Crawless Jimmy's Danish, too. I love my big honey glazed donuts. Without them, I can't do. The Elvis tapes. Oh, give me, give me, give me, give me more donuts. Available now in drugstores everywhere. I love to eat. I love to eat. Let me more demand to I get a big pot of spaghetti. <laughs> Mr. Cassine, were you at any time aware that money from the arms sales to Iran was being illegally diverted to the Contras? You know, Mr. Senator, I'm glad you asked that question, because the Contras are guerrilla fighters, and guerrillas always remind me of the monkeys. And isn't it great that after all these years, they're once again the heartthrob of teenagers all across the U.S. of A. Mr. Casey, will you just answer the question? Well, sir, there's nothing I'd like better. But on the advice of counsel, I must regrettably and respectfully decline your request. But don't go away, because I'm going to take the fifth. And, of course, I can only mean the fifth dimension. The year was 1967 when this... Mr. Casey! Top the Will the God remove this man from the chamber immediately? Seize those timetables and have him the checkout. Casey's Commandment Countdown! Hello, America. This is Casey. And every week on my Coast to Coast Commandment Countdown, I'll tell you how many of the top ten commandments Jim and Tammy Baker have broken so far. In just one month, they've shattered number nine, number eight, number seven, and number six, making them the most sinful couple since Sodom and Gomorrah. And now they're shooting for commandment number five. Isn't that right, Tammy? That's right, Casey. It's time to meet your maker. Oh, well, there goes number five with a bullet. A 38 caliber. Yes, I've been shot through the heart, and you're to blame. I gave PTL a bad name. For sure, for sure. I know you must feel the same way after all these years it's been imitated. Well, sometimes, when you have a problem, it helps to talk with others who have the same problem. Okay, Elvis, you got something to share with the group now? Uh, yes, I do, Elvis. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah, hold on, Elvis. Thank you very much. Uh, Should we order some double cheese pizzas first? We'll, we'll get some peanut butter and nano sandwiches, too. That's a good idea, Elvis. Well, thank you, Elvis. You're listening to an encounter session at your local El Anon Center. El Anon, where chronic Elvis impersonators go for Elvis. Now, once again, what was that you saying, Elvina? Well, sir, I think it's time that people stop discriminating against us female impersonators of Elvis. Uh-huh. You know, I got sideburns, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Learn to recognize the early warning signs. Twitching lips. I can't control my face. Swinging hips. I'm all shook up. Incredible weight gain. More Twinkies, please. At Elvis Anonymous, we understand that impersonating Elvis is not a career. 
It's a disease. Love me tender, love me sweet, give us something to eat. So please, send what you can to L. Anon, Memphis, Tennessee. And thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Oh, no, it's not on me. Oh, boy. By the way, tomorrow we got six guys who knew Elvis intimately. We're going to be guests on the show, and we're going to have the real Elvis story uncensored tomorrow. Fort Lauderdale, hello. Neil. Hi. Love that album. It's great, isn't it? Better than the meat-eating scene in Blazing Saddles. Much better. Yeah, I think so. Are you going to let Stan have access to it? Well, yeah, it's his life. You know, it's his job. Listen, is there any way Wins can simulcast that Pope's Mass from Tamiami Park and play certain portions of that album at the same time? <laughs> Good thinking. I never thought we could do it in the stereo. We could uh, simulcast on the FM. Yeah, at the end of each of his holiness's sentences, just blast one out, and I think it'd make a nice commentary. Yeah. <laughs> or we could send Leonard down there just in person. You know, we wouldn't have to play the record. Yeah. Glenn. <laughs> yes. Any ideas on what you're going to do on Friday? Uh, no. Please plan on playing that album. Well, gee, that would eat up a lot of time, wouldn't I'll it? I'll leave it here. Yeah, that's the idea, Glenn. <laughs> over and over and over yeah, again. That, that'll eat up About an entire hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll eat up an entire segment. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Okay, I'll, I'll take your suggestion under consideration. Okay, Glenn. All right, thanks a lot, Neil. Okay, we'll see you at the uh, Vatican. Oh, sure. Okay.